What is hope? We talk about hope, but what actually is hope? Psychologists, philosophers define hope like this. It is a state of mind or being that allows a person to achieve a set of goals. So it, it actually uh, is fairly decent in its uh, definition. That hope is a, is a state of mind or a state of being that allows us to pursue something that we would like to attain. And so that's how they define hope. But then there's a question that they've been dialoguing about for quite a while, and it's uh, from where does hope come? What is the source of hope? Is it internal? And what amazed me from the little bit of research that I did, and maybe I'm off on this, but it seems to me that predominantly they have looked at hope being uh, the state of mind that is sourced internally, meaning that hope comes from within. That state of being, that state of mind is something that's within us that allows us to achieve a goal. And just recently, they're starting to ask the question, are there external factors to hope? In doing a hope analysis, they're asking the question, are there external factors? Things like relationships or circumstances that have an impact on a person's ability to hope. And we've been having conversation about that at home, and I thought, if I went around this room and I asked, do you think that hope is influenced by external factors? What would you say? A lot of people would say yes. And, and I was um, a little bit tickled that the average person would say, yeah, that, that makes sense. And for the academics sometimes, uh, what's right in front of you, uh, sometimes they're slow to coming to. I'm poking fun at them. But I think that hope is influenced internally externally. And today we're talking about hope for Advent. And there's this wonderful story that many of you will be familiar with that I think really catches the tone of the hope that we long for at Christmas time, the hope that we talk about, the hope that we uh, experience. And it's from Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 8, going down to verse 21. And as soon as I start reading it, you will know, many of you will know this story. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And they're all shouting that together. And when the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, hmm, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried to the village, found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. 
After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Hope. Hope. A state of mind or being that allows a person or a group to pursue, achieve a set of goals. It's interesting as you read through the Bible, particularly in, we often refer to it as the Old Testament. Uh, some people refer to it as the Hebrew Bible. The Hebrew Bible is filled with hope, and particularly as you come to the prophets. And if you've ever tried reading the prophets, a lot of people kind of get puzzled when they get to the prophets because it sounds like a lot of doom and gloom as you read through the prophets. And one of the beautiful gifts that the prophets give, not only to Israel but to us today, is the prophets speak the way things are. They speak truth into a situation, and they tell people, this is where we're at and it's not always nice to hear that. But what they do throughout, and it's laced throughout the prophets, if you're looking for it, is they give hope. This is the way things are now. However, God is still faithful in the midst of this. And there are good things to come. And there's an invitation to turn to God, to seek God, and to experience what God is going to do. And so the prophets are really just saying, hey, folks, this is where things are. This is how it is right now. However, there's good news coming. And as you read through the story of Israel, you see this, it's like a, like a wave. The same cycle repeats itself again and again and again, where the people are waiting and expecting and things are difficult and challenging. And then God shows up through one of the prophets, through one of the kings, even himself, and says, hey, I've got good news. So today, the story in Luke 2 is some ways capturing that repeated history of Israel and kind of setting out something for us today. So I want to walk you through this one verse, verse 8, and then walk you through uh, the next two verses and see if you can capture the hope in that. So let's start off by talking about the shepherds. The shepherds. These uh, shepherds at that time are a marginalized people. They're a fringe group. They are not always trusted by some people. They are hardworking. They are often out and gone for long periods of time. They understand the hardships of life. They understand the difficulties of life. They also know that they're overlooked. They experience daily what it means to be living on the fringes, not just literally on the outside of town, but culturally at a societal level, people that are kept out on the, on the edges. They know hard work. They know the difficulty of day-to-day -day living. And they understand it. And they tend to be compassionate because uh, Luke tells us that they weren't looking after goats. They weren't looking after llamas or alpacas or I think geographically that might be wrong. But um, they're taking care of sheep. And if you've ever experienced sheep or talked to a sheep farmer, you begin to understand some of the challenges and the difficulties that they face as sheep farmers. 
but they're compassionate with these animals. Sheep cannot be driven as much as they can be led. And so the shepherds understand compassion. And I think if they understand this with their animals, I suspect that there is this sense of that among each other as they went through the daily hardships of life. The story of Israel is often of God being their shepherd, of Israel being the shepherds, of God coming to them because they were meant to care for the rest of creation. The rest of the world would be blessed through them. And you can read different references to shepherds and sheep in the story of Israel. And here Luke is repeating this for us as these events unfold. He's reminding us, hey, there's some connections here between what has happened and what God did with these shepherds here today. And I wonder how much you connect with this idea of the shepherds and who they are and why God is showing up to them. But Luke doesn't just say the shepherds. He says the shepherds were guarding. The shepherds were guarding. To be on guard is to be watching, waiting, tense, Biblically, when you read about hope, the, the, the Hebrew word that's used uh, and the Greek word that's used in the New Testament is this sense of, a, of, a, of drawing a cord tight. There's an anticipation and there's a tension that comes with that. There's an expectation. The shepherds were on guard. They were in some ways, uh, stressed. They were watching carefully. They were wanting to be protective. And I thought, wow, what a wonderful image of what we've been like for the last few years. I got to stop. This is killing me. Tony, is that, is it, do you guys hear the ringing or is it just me up here? Okay. Um, that happens from time to time, so there's nothing on Tony. The only, buddy, the only time you recognize a sound man is when it's, uh, something's going wrong. But So sorry, Tony, to point that out, but I'm, it's ringing up here a lot, so I'm, I'm having difficulty. Um, where were we? Shepherds were guarding and the tension that comes with that. Yeah, thank you. We've been through two and a half years of being on guard and being tense. What I love about this community is everybody's here today. Some of you are wearing masks and some of you aren't, and I don't see any scowly faces. We've just been able to accept each other for where we're at and how we're handling this pandemic. And yet there's this realization we want it to be done we're tired of it, we're sick of it, we're fed up with it, but we're still on guard. Steve will tell you his favorite time of the week is Saturday night because that's usually when he gets a phone call from someone that says, I can't come tomorrow because I'm sick. And Christine will tell you the same thing. We're still on guard. We're hesitant. And we're not consistent about it, and it's okay. We go to big sporting events, but coming to smaller gatherings like this, makes us a little more hesitant. We're human beings. And we're watching and we're tense. And our 
sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems have been up and down for two and a half years. And all of those negative hormones that are running through our systems all the time are draining and challenging and we're watching and we're careful and we're on guard. But Luke doesn't just say the shepherds were guarding or on guard. They were guarding their sheep. The shepherds were guarding their sheep. What are sheep to a shepherd? Their income. Their economic security. You used to make money on the fleece. Sheep farmers don't make any money on fleece today. They basically break even to pay the guy to come and shear the sheep, and then he can sell what he shears. The sheep are their economic security. And they're also difficult animals to take care of. They're, they're vulnerable. Sheep get sick so easily. Sheep are prone to wander. I know this, not because I read it, because my mom and my dad farmed sheep. And those animals will go and try to get out of the stupidest places in a fence. And they'll do it again and again and again. They are prone to wander. They are vulnerable. They can be stubborn. They get sick so easily. The shepherds are guarding their sheep, their economic security. And I'm sure at times they're frustrated with the way that these sheep are being with the price of sheep, with the price of meat, what they're making compared to what they're being bought for by other people who are buying it from them. The shepherds are guarding their sheep, waiting for something to happen. And I thought about where we're at right now. And I don't know if you make a connection with the fact that we're still coming out of, we're not out of, we're coming out of a pandemic. And if you pay attention to the news, most of what we're reading is that we're coming out of a pandemic and heading into a recession. It feels like this perfect storm, doesn't it? The kind of gift that you hope for this Christmas, just to come out of this and into this. And I wonder if you're feeling the pinch if you're feeling the tension economically, where for dinner church, we buy food every week and last week our cook got sick, so last minute we scrambled and I went to the grocery store to look at uh, the price of groceries and um, I mean, I go every week with my wife. Um, not really. Um, Claire's great at doing that, but I went this time and I, and I looked at a head of lettuce and I was shocked. And I wonder how many of you are feeling that pinch. And we've got a pandemic and we've got a pending recession. And I wonder how much stress that's creating. The shepherds are guarding their sheep. And there's this sense of needing to circle the wagons. Of holding back. Being careful. Realizing how vulnerable maybe you didn't realize you were and now you're discovering that you are economically. 
realizing how the daily grind of the same thing, same thing, the same thing starts to wear you down. And you're just waiting for something to happen. And as that verse goes on, it's not just the shepherds that they're guarding, that the shepherds are guarding their sheep, but Luke tells us the shepherds are guarding their sheep at night. At night. Not in the daytime when you can see, when you can wave to your neighbor shepherd across the valley, when you can uh, walk around a little more relaxed. It's nighttime. They're corralled. They're guarding, but they can't see anything. And so all of their senses are more heightened because they can't see. So they're trying to listen. They're trying to feel. They're trying to intuit what might be out there. What's next? What's creeping just on the edges that might attack, that might uh, destroy some of their income, that might ruin them? And they're tired. I love this part. They're guarding. I would be the worst shepherd ever. Like, I take the first watch because by the end of the first watch, I'll be asleep. But as you get into the second watch and the third watch of the night, from 9 to 12 and 12 to 3 and 3 to 6, you're tired. You're exhausted. And you're waiting for the dawn and you're wondering, when is it going to get Light, And I do know that people who live in cultures without watches are really good at telling what time of the day and night it is. But there's still this sense of wondering and watching and waiting for a little bit of light to appear on the horizon. And I'm wondering if you connect with these people that are watching and guarding and tense and stressed and, and, and waiting and trying to figure out what's going to happen next. What's going to come at us this time? The shepherds were guarding their sheep at night. When is the dawn going to come? And then we get to verse 9. And hope broke through. Because in verse 9, this is what we read. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared. Suddenly, suddenly, when they weren't expecting it, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Hope broke through. When they were tired out and they were fed up and they were wondering what was going to happen next, hope broke through. And that's a daily existence for them. But the shepherds are also recognizing the story of Israel, the story of God's people, the story of humanity again and again and again and again of watching and waiting and tension and guarding and tiredness and darkness, waiting, wondering, and hope broke through. And the glory of God shows up unexpected and to a people that probably the average person would have thought would be the last person God would want to speak with. And they are the first people to be given the gift of hope. And it's so beautiful. The glory of the Lord and his radiance are shining out around them. An angel appears and he says this to them in verse 10. Don't be afraid. 
Don't be afraid. I've got good news. Don't be afraid. I have good news. And the rest of the story, of course, is the announcement of the birth of Jesus. The Messiah is now here. And of course, we can go on and talk all about how the Messiah isn't what they were expecting and all of that. But today, just want to capture this imagery of people that are in, feeling like they're in darkness and they're tense and they're guarded and they're watching and they're waiting and they're exhausted and they're tired out and suddenly hope breaks through. That's the Advent story. That's the beauty of the beginning of Advent and what hope does internally and externally. And the angel says, don't be afraid. I've got good news. God has good news. It may not have been the good news that they were expecting. That's the interesting thing. Because we realize Israel wasn't really looking for this kind of good news. They were looking for more of a militaristic good news that would deal with their problems. But in God's kingdom, this is the best news ever. Because from now on, everything's going to be different. I've got good news for you. And I don't know where you're at today. But I wonder if there's a piece of you that is inside going, I just need some good news. And then I wonder if you'd be able to hear the good news that God has for you, which may or may not be the good news that you're wanting. It might be the very thing that you're asking for is the very thing that he's giving you. But I love this story for the hope that it presents. And I think this story is repeated over and over and over again, not only through the biblical stories, but through your stories and my stories and our stories together of people that are watching and waiting and tired and stressed and guarded over all the things that are important to them, wondering when the dawn's going to come and hope breaks through. And God shows up and says, I've got good news. Don't be afraid. I have good news. And then I got thinking as we're using this Advent <clears throat> devotional. And if you uh, haven't had a chance, there's some out at the Connection Center. Uh, if you'd like a paper copy, the PDF copy is in the weekend email that we send out, but it's also on our website, newlifecollingwood.com. Um, and I got thinking, why don't, we, why don't we take what they've given us in here? Every week, they have a missional advent jar. That's why I have this up here. And they have some suggestions for how we could be missional or how we could be incarnational how we could prepare people for something like hope breaking through, God showing up and saying, you don't have to be afraid, I've got good news. And I thought, what if we, while we resonate with the shepherds, perhaps, what if we took on the role of, of what the angel does and give somebody the message, I've got good news, it's okay. 
And so I was wondering if you would consider participating with me through this guide this month. Every week they have some very simple suggestions. So this week for hope, it's go on a prayer walk downtown. And there are other prayer walks that they mention, like in your neighborhood and that. So specifically this week, it's go downtown and just walk around downtown, whether it's downtown Collingwood, downtown Wasega, downtown Ravenna, uh, whatever, and pray for, pray for your community. Another one is serve a meal at a local soup kitchen. You may or may not be able to do that. But if it's possible, give it a shot. What's an alternative if you can't do that? Another one was participate in a toy drive. And another one that they have here is throw a hot chocolate party with your neighbors. And I wanted to ask the question, what if we did this? What if this week, to the best of our ability, we tried to do one of these things or something different? And I'm going to give you another option to this. You can create your own option. You don't have to do those. One of the options that we'd like to add is the Walmart Christmas kettles. So every year, the churches um, offer up volunteers to help Salvation Army at the Christmas kettle at Walmart. And it's a one or two hour slot where you go and you smile and you basically talk to all the people you know that are coming in. And uh, you stand there and uh, you help people. You make good eye contact with people because they're walking in like this. I gave last week, um, whatever it might be. And you took that up. And if today, if you'd like to participate in that, Lisa and Boston, our young couple right here, are going to be at uh, one of the little booths in the Connection Center, and they have a Google Doc live time that you could just say, hey, could I pick this date, this time, and they'll put your name in there, and then you'll get an email reminder, and you can participate in that. Help the Salvation Army raise money. It all stays local. I think their goal is $100,000 this year. And I got to tell you, there are a lot of holes on the volunteer slots because, again, One of the things that COVID has changed is people's volunteerism, and everybody is struggling to have people volunteer. So this is a great thing you can do because you're not making a long-term commitment. It's I can go one day, I can give two hours, done. And I've done it every year, and it's just a lot of fun. So that's one of the options. And I was just thinking, the angel brings hope. We're probably resonating with the shepherds, but what if we could do both characters here. What if we could be the ones giving hope to people this year by something as simple as trying to do one of these things in the missional advent jar? If you're able to do that, could you cut out the little tab that's in there or make your own? And we're going to throw this out there. I'm expecting that this won't be able to hold all of them because that's how confident I am in you. And when you come back next week, cut out that tab, bring it with you, and let's fill the jar. Just as a symbol of the fact that We've gone out this week and we've said, hey, I have good news for you. You don't have to be afraid. No one's going to check on you about that. It's just an invitation and love it if you would consider participating in that. Even now, hope is bursting forth into our world, into the darkness of our world. And God's been doing that uh, all through Israel's story with the advent of Christ and in the story of God's people since. And it's a wonderful, uh, it's a wonderful image 
participate in, the hope of glory that we find in Christ and that we're able to share that with people who are watching and waiting and tired and guarded and stressed. And that's pretty beautiful. I'm going to invite you to pray with me. In you, we place our hope. God of Israel, God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, true and living God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God of all nations, all peoples, all versions of humanity. We are a people that regularly need hope. And we thank you that over and over again, somehow you show up and the message is don't be afraid, I've got good news. And that ultimate good news is the person of Christ. So may we become a community of hope, not only for needing it, but for the joy and the beauty of sharing it. Amen. Just as we wrap up, uh, I wanted to make you aware of a few things, just a few announcements because they're related specifically to Advent and Christmas. Not only do we have the chance this week to um, give hope through a prayer walk or the MCC or the, uh, the Walmart kettles, but there's also the MCC kits, the bags. We have another counter out there that has a, a lot of cloth bags on it and and uh, some stuff that goes in those bags. Every year as a church, we try to collect as many of these as we can. They're hygiene kits. They go out, we partner with an organization called Mennonite Central Committee, MCC. And, uh, and they are just a group that we share a long history with them and values. And these kits, the beautiful thing about them is they're not just Christmas gifts. They go out year round. And, uh, and the bags that we put them in are a set size, but the bags are also used by the people who receive these. So it's just a very cool thing. I encourage you to check it out and bring them in up until the Sunday before Christmas. And we will con uh, collect as many of those as we can. And that's another thing that you could do that's not in a tab here, but you could make your own and bring it and put it in the jar next week. We've already talked about the kettles and signing up for those. Uh, we have, I think, four Sundays left till the end of the year. We encourage you to continue considering how you can help us reach our goals uh, financially for all the ministry that we do here. And you can learn about that more on our website and you can give through the website, uh, newlifecollingwood.com. We also have the, the little black box out back that you can uh, give if you're still doing it in a paper form. And today, we invite you to stay for lunch. So there are two kinds of soup. I'm told that one of them is this really cool European soup that is like cabbage and um, the Frankfurt's kielbasa kind of stuff. So there's the good soup and then there's no. Um, so we recognize that there's a lot of dietary needs. So one of the things we've done is we've provided soup this week that is both, I'm told it's both lactose and gluten-free. 
and it's still delicious because we have great cooks. So there's that option, and then there's the cabbage meat option. Uh, there's no charge for lunch if you showed up and you weren't expecting that. Stay. It doesn't take long to have a bowl of soup and some bread with some people. Enjoy being with people and chatting and visiting, and uh, we will see you back next week as we look at the next Advent um, emphasis, which is on love. Bye for now. <laughs>